there, I'm Mandy Yakit from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters episode 12. Thanks so much for listening. Today I'm talking to Anna Hansen. With over 30 years experience in the arts as both a practitioner and curator, Anna Hansen strives to empower artists, champion the role of art in society and transform widely held perceptions of textile-based projects within the art arena. As a practitioner, Anna's work embraces the codes of embroidery, ropes and textiles. As a curator, Anna sees her role as one of empowerment, providing artists with an environment and structure in which they are recognised, respected and fairly rewarded. Through her unwavering personal and professional focus, Anna hopes to give both art and artists the essential platform they desire and deserve. Welcome to Creative Matters, Anna. Good afternoon, Mandy. Good afternoon. It's an honour to be here. So good to have you. Thank <laughs> you for coming. Um, so yeah, we, you and I have been friends for some time. I do remember meeting you at... One of your studios in Upper Queen Street, Auckland. Uh, yes, about car wash. six years car wash. ago. Yep, yeah. yeah, car wash. And um, I think it was to pick up a sleeping bag of my sons who had been at Explore with you working. The lovely Brody's first year. Yeah, yeah. And I was ruined his schooling career just um, yeah. after one session at Explore. <laughs> Not only his school <laughs> career, I'd say other things. <laughs> True, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, and it was. Um, I think we connected straight away, and we yeah, sat down we and had a chat. Yeah. Had a chat. Yeah, it was cool. So thank you, Brody. While I was still being that mummy that ran around after her son. Yes, <laughs> I met Anna. So that's good. Well, we really miss Brody. We missed him this year because he was he's such a great team member. I think we've all got Brody stories, so that's uh, it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> well, he loves it. He'll be back, I'm sure. Um, so if we can go right back to the beginning, Anna, can you tell us about where you were born, um, something about your childhood, and if you were making and thinking creatively as a child? Oh, okay. Um, I was born in, here in Auckland, in West Auckland, um, and I come from uh, a family, well, one side of my family are, are very much makers. Um, my father's side, his father was a sculptor, came out to New Zealand from, from Wales, um, and um, spent his whole life making, really. So we very much grew up in an environment on my father's side where, you know, there was always sculpture around. We worked in with him in his shed. There was always plaster around and bronzes and all sorts of things, and we just, I loved it. I was very close to him, and it's, it's always been part of, of my life, um, my grandmother, my mother's, uh, my father's mother, um, worked with textiles. She was a, a machinist or sewer or a pattern maker, whatever they were back then. And mm. she, so she introduced me to, um, kind of handcrafts and sewing and how to make things. So 
very much a making making family mm. on that side. Yeah. And my dad. Mm. Um, Your dad was an engineer, wasn't he? My dad was an engineer, yeah. And um, very uh, – he actually is an incredibly crea- – had an incredibly creative brain. Um, and he was always – I was lucky because – because of his background uh, and how he grew up, he was okay with us doing our thing too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was good. And making. And making, yeah. yeah. So it was never a case of, no, you can't you can't be an artist or you can't do that. It was always, oh, okay, you've got to get a job, but that's cool. Mm. That's cool too. So I think I was very lucky to be encouraged considering the, at the time I was born. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. your mum, was she... Yeah, my mum is mum is very creative and 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 different in a different way in a non formal way, but she's got a very artistic brain and very creative mm. um, in her own in her own way, as most people are. Mm. Yeah, so cool. And you know, obviously, you know, your sister Donna is is a creative. And my baby sister Donna, yeah, um, yes, Donna is too. So it's a, it's kind of a unusual family. We. Um, Myself, who uh, who works in the creative industries, um, then my next sister down is a phys ed teacher, um, although now moved into another branch of teaching. Um, the next one down is an accountant, and then there's Donna. So we've kind of got a real mixture of um, minds, I guess. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so as a child, were you? do you remember making a lot of stuff? I mean, obviously. Always, yeah. Like I just, I think, I think. As I've got older, especially now, I realise that that's always been my happy place. Um, for I think, and being the oldest of of four sisters, of four children, um, I think I used to like find solace in locking myself in the room, <laughs> <laughs> playing with my pencils or something to get away from mm. the rest of them. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what sort of stuff were you making? Ah, drawing. I just love drawing. Really? And I still love drawing. I still think that it's a very uh it's a foundation that should be encouraged actually um i find it a bit scary when people can't draw yeah and a lot of people think they can't draw they everyone can draw but i think the whole thing with computers and um cad design has actually taken away quite a lot of that hand to paper Mm. um and just make just make a mark that's what i say yeah yeah. And what other were you sort of doing sculptural work and I mean were you actually making with, with textiles and, and through Oh at no, that time? I didn't actually through school I didn't take up art until I was in my sixth form and I decided to um do school see art while I was in my sixth form and I was incredibly lucky to have uh, a wonderful art teacher. Her name was Rachel Feather, and um, hopefully she'll listen to this because I still talk to her. And um, what school was that, Nana? Calston Girls High School, mm-hmm. and um, she was just the most wonderful. I was so fortunate to have her, and and, and uh, thank her, you know, a lot for the encouragement that she gave me because I came from out of nowhere and mm. said I want to do this. Mm. Um, and, and what made you decide to do school C in sixth form? Um, I just felt that I wanted to stretch myself a bit more, and I just had felt there was a a calling that I that I had to follow through, mm. and I took it as an extra subject. So I took six subjects instead of five. Wow. Um, but she encouraged me, and I was able to step up 
halfway through the year and do sixth form art instead of school C art. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. All oh, right. So yeah. you moved on up. Yeah, moved on up. Yeah. And yeah. at the time, school C art and the fifth form, you didn't want to do it? Or? No, I didn't. Well, you know, you kind of get caught up in like what you should be doing. You know, I did tech drawing and um, all the normal basic subjects because that's what you do, mm. you know, back in the whatever, 70s or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of like, you you conform. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great that you kind of look back and thought, actually, hang on a minute. Yeah. I need to do that. I need to do it. Yeah. 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 Which is great at that age. Yeah. I was really lucky. Yeah. And um, and I had very supportive family, so um, it helps. Yeah. yeah. They sort of acknowledged what you were doing rather than... Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of think, um, and probably still today, art, and, and back then you had home tech or whatever they used to call it, and they were kind of outside subjects that, you know, weren't proper. Um, and so that's always been a thing that, that why not, you know, why does it have to be something that's an added extra, but until you do get a real job, Mm, mm. (laughs) you know? And in those days, I mean, it was looked at, you know, it was the people who didn't have a brain or weren't academic, did those other subjects. It wasn't really valued in the same way, was it? It it wasn't. And in some ways I think that can still be the case. Yeah. 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 I'd say so too. Yeah, so um, going through from school, where did you head off after that? So when I um, uh, finished school, I um, got a job when I was 18 working for a company that was called Zarak Interiors in in the city. Um, Again, really lucky. They were an interior design company, a retail store, and um, my boss, Bruce Robinson, was one of the – importers of Marimiko fabrics and Zelandia fabrics. So wow. um, I think I only really got the job because I said I love fabric. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I was, again, really, really, really lucky to have um, a fantastic employer, yeah, who also encouraged me to do stuff and, you know, mm. shop design and, you know, yeah, it was great. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about fabrics at that time. And um, and colour, you know, uh, um, colour and how to match patterns and how they work together. I mean, it's a very interior design thing. I think if you work in interior design, you have to love pattern and you have to love textiles, really, mm. um, and how different environments are changed by what you put in them. Um and it was just a great, a great learning, learning environment for me. Uh, and then after I did that for about two, two and a half years, and then I decided I wanted to go to art school. Um, and because I kind of like had a bit of a too much of a good time in my last year of high school, <laughs> uh, I decided to go back to school when I was twenty um, to do art again as a seventh form subject so that I could get into Elam. Oh, wow. So I went back as an adult student uh, at 20 to Henderson High School, actually, um, where my other sisters were at school. Um, That was brave as a 20-year-old? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was brave. It it just sort of worked and I really wanted to do it. And I thought, oh, why not? You know, just give it a go and if you can get in, you get in. And um and I was very fortunate that I that I got in, um, mm. and that was like 
just so fantastic. It was one of the best four years of my life, really, to get in there and be around just such brilliant people. And I was very fortunate. I had very good lecturers at that time. And uh, and I was worked with very good uh, fellow students. Um, and I think art school is very much about the people that are around. Um, if you have good people around you that are also trying to push boundaries and, um, and trying to get to the top of the game, it, it, re- it reflects back on you as well. You absorb all that. And I was really lucky um, to be at that time at Elam because it was like out of sight, out of mind, the art school. And so um, the university didn't really want to know much about it as long as we kept out of their hair and, you know, um, and so we were just lucky to have this little space mm. um, that's not so little now, but it was then, uh, to create, be left alone. Mm. Yeah, it was mm. wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing. Great opportunity. And did you, what kind of thing, what was your focus there? Uh, well, actually, funnily enough, I didn't intend to do design, but um, I that was my strong point. So I did applied design at, um, applied design for the final three years, yeah. And what sort of things were you making? Oh, we made like furniture. <laughs> we didn't have computers or anything like that then, so we made furniture. Um, we did a lot of graphic design, hand hand lettering, yeah, mm. all that sort of thing. Really, really basic stuff that nobody would know how to do now. Mm. But um, it's it's ground, you know, it's just the real groundwork. Yeah, good foundation. Yeah, really good foundation, yeah. Um, kind of like when I look back at it now, like I pulled out my old portfolio for my for my fourth year just a little while ago, and I was so appalled. <laughs> I just thought, oh my god, that's just so gross, and I chucked <laughs> it all out. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh yeah, because things of you, you know you evolve in your practice, yeah, and then and technology evolves. When you look at it, you just think, oh my god, that looks like something mm, someone so basic. Yeah, yeah, really basic. Yeah. But we didn't have. Any of the sophisticated tools that you no, have now, so different. So it looks weird, yeah. yeah. But it still, you know, probably informed your practice in some way. Oh yeah, totally. All of that yeah. work, yeah, yeah. It wasn't definitely wasn't a waste. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a waste. None of it was a waste. No way. But it's like when you look back at earlier work, you go, "Oh God, thank God I've mm. moved on from there." Yeah, yeah. Um, and so after that. Um, I did a really weird thing my fourth year at university. I got married, um, and we, uh, my husband was a, a fine, um, was he's a merchant banker, which was a very strange combination. I used to wave at him in his office as I walked down to art school, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, and then after I finished art school, I went back into interior design. So I worked for a couple of different companies at that time. And then for about seven years, and then had my son, and then I set up my own interior design practice. Wow. So it's interesting, isn't it, that you didn't actually study interior design? No. But you obviously had a thing for it, and then you went back to it. Well, you know, it was circumstance, because, um, you know, back in the 80s when I was married, there was a big financial crash, and one of us had to earn money. And I could get back into it, and um, while well, my husband um, found another job, um, so I, I kind of was led back there by um, necessity, really, 
rather than choice. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an industry that I love. Um, I, I do love a lot, lots of things about it, but it's a lot of excess too. There's a lot of things about it when you're dealing with a lot of money and you just think, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Seven the, the materialistic side. Yeah, materialistic side kind of. I got tired of it in the end. In fact, the the reason when I finally gave up my practice um, and that was uh, New Year, Christmas Eve, I think my son was about two and I was in someone's house decorating their tree for their Christmas party and I just thought, this is not right. Mm. Yeah, this is something wrong with my life. Um, and so after that, I, I gave it away. Mm. And through that time, were you? did you have your own Art practice? Or not you... really. I mean, I always made things, but yeah. not to any deep level. Yeah. It was survival. Yeah. Mm. Basically. Mm. And did you expect to be an artist, art, arts practitioner when you were, you know, in your 20s and, and doing the interior design? Did you think that you were always going to become that, that kind I of person? I don't know. I think you kind of get swept up in the time that you're in. Um, had you know those were the days of I had a lot of you know fun times. It's like the bonfire of the vanities. I guess I got swept up in that whole thing and thought, oh yeah, well I can always do that. And I think a lot of people I find when I talk to artists, um, they take what they have for granted um, and don't realise that what they have is is actually a gift. And they go, oh, yeah, I can always, I can do that. That's easy. And they don't realize actually not everyone can do what they do. And that's part of the um, the path I'm on now is encouraging people to, re- to not take their talent for granted mm. um, because it is something that you, it's inherent in you and it's your offering to the world, basically. It's yeah. what you have. Yeah. You know, um, it's and nice it's, if you like it. that kind of like sense of purpose thing, and mm. um, sometimes it takes a long time to find that sense of purpose. For me, it did. And um, and I think that's what I love to encourage in other people as well. Mm. Yeah. And how do you do that? Owning up to it. Really, really going deep and saying, what, are, what do I really want? to to do with my life yeah sometimes you've got to be hit around the head a few times mm. with um, mm. some things that happen in your life and you suddenly realize well okay I've got hopefully this much time left what do I want to do forgetting everything else when you when you're really torn down to just basics of life and you say Forget everything else that's happened in your life. You're starting new today. What do you want to do? Mm. And it's only really recently that I've decided that that's what I'm going to do. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And how, I mean, in what ways do you encourage other people to reach that point, do you think? A lot of introspection. I don't think you need to go about it the hard way like me, but um, I think it's really important that you be happy, I think, and and what you're doing in your work. And the great thing about um, if you are a creative, it's okay, it's not nine to five, and it's hard, and you have to realise that the work is really, really hard, and you might not make any money um, out of it for a long time, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it, you know, and get really clear about what your priorities are. Mm. Um, 
And that I think that's the most important thing. And I think a lot of us, um, and including myself, you tend to work in industries which um, I call the shadow industries, which are industries around what you should be doing because there's no great risk, you know. You're not putting yourself out there too far. And I think a lot of people do that, and I did it myself. Um, and I think if you have to, if you've got the courage, you should follow follow what you want to do. Mm. Yeah, follow your passion. Follow. Yeah, it's not easy. I make it sound all airy fairy mm. and nice, but it's it's really not. It's it's super hard. Yeah, super hard. But it's worth it, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally worth it mm. to be doing something that you want to do. That that's your gift. Yeah, yeah, and that feeds you. Yeah, it feeds you, makes you happy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, onto your own practice. So when, with the interior design work, you gave that up and then when did you start sort of discovering your own practice and sort of starting to make? Um, I think uh, when I gave up my own practice, I um, decided that uh, I got opportunity to buy into a a gallery, Leatham Gallery, which was on Dubois Road. Um, And I had a partner there, for a few years, then she sold her share to my younger sister Donna, um, and Donna's also really highly motivated in her own practice. And um, we started saying, oh, "Okay, well, maybe you should make some work, you know, too." And it's quite hard being a gallery owner putting your own work in a show. Um, so I had to sort of go under a pseudonym for for a while, <laughs> um, but it was really testing the waters. Mm. Um, and then I kind of like thought yeah this is okay and people like it and you know uh, I could sell work I could I can sell work now for more than I can make by the hour you know Mm. at at a sort of average job so um, I did the gallery for 10 years um, and I loved it it was just just so great having being around artists but again you're working I'm working in something rather than doing what I'm supposed to be doing Mm, mm. and um then after I sold the gallery I decided to sort of like really get stuck into it really Mm. um and I uh was fortunate enough again to so okay I needed a studio so um there was a studio advertised on Upper Queen Street which was then called Method and Manners, which was started by amazing artists called Erin Forsyth. Um, and so I went in there, and I was lucky to be around again, much, much younger people than me, but that was their life to make art. And I thought, okay, I can do that. Mm. These people don't care what my background is. They don't care anything about me. Mm. Um, there's no expectations. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, that's so great, and again, quite a brave move in some ways, just stepping out of your. Yeah, I tend to do that. Yeah, but unfortunately, I think I tend to wait till it's you know a breaking point before I do it. Yeah, yeah, I think we all do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need a a little push to kind of go there. Yeah. So um, for the listeners, you know, you're obviously into textiles and working with ropes and thread and and that kind of thing. Can you, in a nutshell? Describe your practice. In a nutshell, that's quite difficult, isn't it? Um, in a big nutshell. In a big nutshell. Um, I guess for me, uh, when I first got started on the embroidery thing, I it was um, it was a way to um, extend my 
and I drawing practice really. I always I, I wasn't have no training in embroidery at all. Um, but I felt that the stitching was like my drawing. So and that's how I've always treated it. So uh, it's the way I use coloured pencils is the same way as I use thread or paint. And I'm really interested in the blending of colour and when colour changes from one tone to another. And I could do that with thread um, because I'm not a painter. I'm not a great painter. Uh, I'd love to be a painter, but um, I'm not. I'm sure you could be. If you uh, uh, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess what I, my expectations of a painter is in that case. Um, and I could sit there at night and do it on the couch, mm. which was which was great for me. It was a real great form of relaxation. Um, so that was kind of like the embroidery started off. And I think some of the works that I sent you, were, were, they're actually quite old works that I first started when I first started working with embroidery and, and thread. Mm, and those, um, those works are on your blog, on the Creative yeah, website. Yeah. Um, and I quite like, and then I started to want to do larger works. So I had to work out a way to transfer images and things onto larger canvases. And I still still do quite a lot of embroidery, but now I'm leaning more to like fabric manipulation, like smocking um, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just I'm being vague because I'm sort of still working my way through the whole process. And I just like the and I like to use fabrics like with rope um, and form form shapes with them I guess Mm. but not everything with me has a narrative sometimes I just like to try something out Mm. and I love the idea of bringing something out that hasn't been there before Mm. and I remember one of my bosses I was thinking about this today when I was quite young said to me I was always trying to reinvent the wheel and I think that's so true I make my life so hard because I'm always trying to do something that hasn't been done before yeah and it's funny because once I've solved that problem, I don't really want to do it anymore. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it's and I've got another friend who who we always joke about that because you kind of, he he's the same way. It's like once I've solved the problem of how to make that, it might make me take me ten or twelve times, but that's it. I've solved the problem. I don't need to do it anymore. Mm. And I think that's the way. Also, lots of people have said to me. Oh, if you take an image of your print of your of your artwork, then you could mail it into a print, and then you could make more money. But for me, it's never about that. It's it's always like solving a problem or mm. trying to get um, the message across of mm. what I what I want to say. Mm. So, do you have ideas? Like, are you do you, does stuff come into your head where you're like? Oh, you know, I'd love to make a a, a large lamp using ropes and in this kind uh, of yeah. way. Or, I mean, how how does your mind work? Oh well, I think with with that piece that's on on there, I had this bird cage that was sitting on my deck, and I thought, oh, what could I do with that? And I had a whole lot of ropes. So sometimes it's about what's available mm. on hand. I'm very, I mean, I I'm a bit of a hoarder, but I do use most of the stuff I collect. Um, and I thought with that particular piece, I thought oh, I could make that into a lampshade maybe. Um, and then I just start working with it and see what shape it actually takes. Mm. Um, and that's what's the exciting part for me. Believe me, lots of things get undone a lot yeah. before I'm happy. 
Yeah. And so you don't actually have, you don't draw the plan up of, of what your, the final product, it's kind of Sometimes organic. I do. Yeah. Some, with, with the more abstract pieces, it's a lot more organic because you don't know how the material is going to act. Mm. And that's what you're learning, I think. That's part of the learning process of working with any type of material. Um, it's like, how is it going to act if I hit it this way mm. or a stretch it that way or a bend it that way? Mm. Yeah. So would you say you're quite experimental and that's what you enjoy, that part of the process? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like to push the stuff as far as it can go. And then when you've done, you know, this is so interesting for me, when you when you get to a point where you've um, sort of solved that problem, then do you think, oh, now I want to sort of extend that and try doing the same kind of thing with a different material? Or yeah, does yeah, that kind I of do. Get yeah, you going on to the next thing. Yeah, I think that each each time you do something like that, it pushes your practice a bit further, um, and it just leads to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I think that's the the beauty of of being having an art, art practice is that you're always experimenting. And like you should, I personally don't think that like once you've done a show, you should take a break, you know, and rest. I think you should actually just always have, because then you don't get those ups and highs and lows. You're just always working all the time. Mm. And, um, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand outside of the art industry, that people are always working generally. They're not just taking three weeks off because mm. they've finished a job. They're always uh, learning mm. and always practicing and always upskilling their craft because that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the bit that sort of lights the fire, isn't it, for you? It is. Yeah, it's your happy place. Puts fire in your belly. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. And uh, do you find that you um, – have lots of projects on the go at the same time? Or how does that work? You could ask the people that live with me <laughs> <laughs> who say I've got far too many things on the go in one time, and sometimes I do. Um, but it's the same thing that I'm probably just problem solving, and then I'll come back to it mm. when I've worked it out. And I think it's kind of good. I've learnt like, that we've got the Mirror Way Arts Exhibition next week. Plug that one. And um, uh, I've got two pieces that um, are just about completed and I've just left them at the just about finish stage now. And I'm just going to leave them for a couple of days and then I'll go back and finish it off. Mm. Um, and and I'm know- just working on something else and then I'll go back because mm, – Can't uh, wait to see it. Yeah, it's kind of – good to just come back fresh otherwise yeah. you're pushing things too far yeah too sometimes fast. you need to be able to reflect to go away and reflect yeah yeah exactly and uh, so for these ones did you have the final result in your head and sort of figure out how i to did get there? yeah because they're just like uh, some of my work is um that i like is just like sayings because i find that language is just historical that what people <laughs> and and today's society is just so funny. Like what what we put emphasis on, what's important, mm. and um, so these are these are more kind of pieces of writing, really, with fabrics, with fabric, yeah, and thread, and thread, yes, yeah, nice. Um, well, I'm thinking about the one in the last Mirai Arts show with the red on the red velvet. What was that? Ah, oh, yeah, not negotiable. Yeah, yeah like so that. it's kind of like an extension of that. Mm. And that was know? on a was it on a lid or on? Saturn? It was on a lid. A yeah. Lid. Yeah, yeah, and I padded it all out, yeah. So can you tell us about that one? That was uh, I love that piece. Oh, I just think that some things aren't negotiable and, and it's kind of a reflection um, 
on your values, really. Yeah, some values aren't negotiable. Mm. And I think people need to remember that. And as women, we need to remember that too, especially young young women, I think, today, um, need to, need to realise that they're standing on the shoulders of some giants that have made that path for them. Mm. Um, and some things aren't negotiable. And I'm still learning that. I'm still learning that I'm single, you know, and I'm still learning that at my age, at 58, that some things aren't negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We yeah. all are, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good that you're on the path. Well, I think we're all on the path, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you never finished on the path. No. Yeah. And that that piece was, did you find the bot, the lid or did you have the I had same? the lid. Yeah, like I had the lid. And I think it was like I had that idea. I had the – I had the, um, the words. I had a stamp, actually. That's what it was, an old stamp, mm. a, a bank stamp. And I stamped it on a piece of paper, then blew it up. Um, so, yeah, that's mm. a stamp that I probably bought like seven years ago. Mm. So that's when I collect stuff. I know that at some stage I'll use it. Mm. Yeah. That's very cool. It's quite interesting, quite different. Very, yeah. yeah, I love your practice. And I'd just like to tell everyone too that I actually own that birdcage turned yes, into a she lamp does. shade. It's one of my patrons. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm yeah. so lucky and I love it. It hangs in my very small stairwell and takes up most of the <laughs> most space. Most of the space. Which I love. Yeah. And, yeah. But it is, I mean, your work is, I mean, I, I'm so drawn to it and it's, I guess some people would say it's sort of freestyling. I know you've talked to me about this before, where you that sort of freestyling embroidery that people talk about. Yeah. You actually need quite a lot of background experience yes, before you, you can start yeah, freestyling. Yeah. I think that's uh, – I mean, I, I kind of hate to use Picasso as, as a, an example, but, you know, he did say it took him how many years to learn to draw like a child again, mm. you know, and I, and I think that's really true is that you have to do the foundation work first. There's no skipping. If you skip processes, you never you never learn, you know. Mm. And I think that's what I find interesting about some photographers now or people studying photography is that, you know, it's it's such a gift to be able to work in a dark room because you actually learn to manipulate in the whole process, mm. whereas now we've got everything's digital and you, you can take a great shot but you don't really learn how how that comes about what what the all the angles of making that photograph are mm. uh, and the same with embroidery i think it's good to learn some basic some basic things um basic skills and then forget about it and just go for it do your own stuff mm. you know um and for some people that is a bit scary i guess kind of stepping off the the main track yeah, I, but that's just a confidence thing. They mm. think that it's not okay because, and there's lots of people, and you know, I meet them all the time. That oh, it's not perfect. If you're looking for perfection, then you know, get it done on a machine. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it doesn't need to be perfect. I mean, that's not very interesting, is it? Perfect. Well, in these days, you know, I think that's the whole movement of the handmade movement is that people are respecting that things that are handmade aren't perfect. Mm. Yeah. Which is so good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, thank God for that. And I, I, you know, in the well, it wasn't that long ago, was it? That embroidery and and wool 
and you know those kind of materials and and mediums were regarded as craft and not yeah. seen as important as art. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's your view on that? Um, oh, I just for me personally, I just think that's just the medium that uh, I use and other people use to as an expression. That's their way that they can they find the easiest way to express what they're trying to do. Um, it's no different to me than a spray can or a paintbrush or a chisel you know it's just mm. my choice that that's mm. what I that's what I use and um as it a craft well yeah I mean you know 16th century you know um painters were craftspeople you know so um that's what Michelangelo and uh, Leonardo they were craftspeople uh, okay it's a craft so what it doesn't matter mm. you know it's um what you put into it and it's the love the love that you give it, mm. um, there shouldn't be a hierarchy with it. No, it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's a really difficult area because it is blowing up quite a bit now. Working with um, textiles and soft materials has become a lot more respected. Mm. And sadly, you know, although women have been using this for using that medium for a long time, it's only now been recognised as. Um, as a you know an okay thing to do Mm. yeah yeah and you see all sorts of things like that in galleries and you know which is great but it wasn't that long ago where you would never have seen something like that no and yet it's been around like a a very long time and now those women who were working back in the 40s and 50s um are big uh like really revered by the rest of us Mm. and um which is great but in Mm. their time it was their male counterparts that were the stars of the show. Mm. I wonder if males were making embroidery. Yeah, they probably be. were. Yeah, and that's okay too. But I know. wonder if it, if if there were more men doing those kind of craft industries, if it might have been regarded differently. Yeah, I guess so. It could it could be. That's interesting. It's I think there's still a little bit of a thing now when when you see male artists working in embroidery, it does have a slightly heightened sense of superiority to it um which is a bit disappointing mm. and it's different but it's definitely out there definitely um, i actually can't think of any male embroidery artists are they around yeah there's quite a few there's actually quite a few in new zealand huh. um and it just like yeah just so what mm. i don't think what your um what your gender is making a difference it's it's about is your work yeah good Absolutely. yeah are you doing the work yeah mm. Yeah. Yeah. Should have nothing to do with gender. Really. No, not, none whatsoever. No. Yeah, but uh, I mean, there has, there has been a big shift, that's for sure. And um, do you want to say anything else about your practice? Oh, my practice is, um, it's, it's, I, I, it's always a hard question, isn't it? Because mm. I actually do quite a few different things. Uh, and my practice is very much in a very infant stage, I think, at this at this point but um i'm doing it hopefully going to be doing a show later in the year um a joint show with someone and where it'll be a little bit more personal um i'm working on that now i've had a lot of got a lot of drawings and background work and text and writing that i've done um that tells a bit of a story about my journey i guess as a female and i'm kind of interested i'm interested in females in general at the moment and how they sit in the world 
and and not in a sort of yicky I hate male I hate men kind of way, but um, I guess it's kind of the age I am and and getting there that whole being a crone I, I love that word like I want to bring the crone word back you know um, so it's going to be around that kind of thing it's probably be a lot of self portraiture I think. That's the way I'm heading at the moment, which would be a bit scary because I hate photographs. Um, but <laughs> we'll see. Interesting. We'll see. That will be. Mm. Um, thinking. I think it's going to be in November, cool. later in the year. So I'm just. I'll be working with Emma Bosley, who's just like an amazing painter. Mm. Um, again, someone that doesn't know just how fabulous she is. Mm. So we're doing a show together, um, and probably my sister will be the curator. So, oh, <laughs> so she gets her whip out and um, gets us going. Keeps so. you in line. Yeah. And uh, do you know where that's going to happen? Uh, where? Mm. Yeah, no, I don't at this stage. We're looking at a couple of different places. So that will Great. be coming out shortly when we decide where. Yeah. And do you like having a deadline of a show? I do need a deadline, that's I'd helpful. say. Yeah. But you're still a bit last minute, hey? Yeah, I am a little bit last minute, but um, I always get it done. I think. I think it's kind of good. It really creates a lot of energy when you're working like that. I mean, I don't want to be too last minute with my stuff because it actually takes quite a long time to make. Yeah. Um, but I've got better at pacing that and knowing what I, what needs to be done. And I'm lucky I don't have any, you know, dependents or anyone to worry about, so I can kind of work when I want to. Mm. Um, so in that, that case, it's good for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Can't yeah. wait to see it. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So um, it's interesting to hear about your practice and, um, you know, people can see some of your work on the blog yes. and on your website that might come out one day. Yes, I have a website. <laughs> and um, due to my, due to my uh, former sort of way of not wanting to talk about myself and show my work <laughs> – I need to change that, and um, yeah, in the next couple of weeks, I've actually had the website for a year, and I haven't actually promoted it, mm-hmm. um, so now uh, with the new work that I'm doing, I'm going to stick it out there and good let the world decide. Absolutely, yeah. that's great, and yeah. you have this podcast to put onto your website. Yeah, man. Telling yeah. all about you, so yeah. that's good. It's good for you. Um, so Anna, you're a well-respected curator in New Zealand, and you've worked... Um, on various shows around New Zealand, The Sculpture on Shore, and um, you've been a a huge part of the arts trail at Splore Festivals for about six years in a row. Yes. And uh, you've done lots of private exhibitions and public art projects and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, you're you're super experienced and and well thought of. How did you get into that kind of world? Um, Well, I guess apart from having the gallery, which I guess is a different... Um, you know, you do probably. I worked out we'd done a hundred exhibitions, curated a hundred exhibitions by the time we'd sold it. So mm. you get quite a lot of experience yeah. at doing that. Yeah. Um, but outdoor sculpture shows, uh, I got into. I started to work um, with my colleague Ross Liu, who's part of Cut Collective, and uh, he was already on Splore when um, I met him, and he brought me on just to help him really um, at that stage and I loved it. I mean, I'm kind of like, in terms of like curatorial work, I prefer to work outside, I prefer to work with sculpture and um, I just love being in the field, love working in the field. 
more than calling myself the curator and wafting around with you know scarves floating around me and telling mm-hmm. people what to do um I actually like to get my hands dirty mm. and I love working with the artists. And I think that's that's kind of been and, – and Ross was very much the same. That's always been our strong suit is that we're always more interested in in the art and the artists than, you know, the show being about us and curating. Mm. Um, and it's been it's been a great experience. Splore is a wonderful place to work. We just have the most amazing – crew that we work with that have been there much much longer than us and um it's like working with a family every year and it's great and we have a gorgeous space that we work in and with sculpture on shore uh, we were driven to do that ross and i due to the fact was for women's refuge um and to raise raise funds for them a lot of a lot of our work curatorially has been to has been a social practice to help raise awareness to certain things, mm. uh, that's where the buzz is really for me, and I think for for Ross as well. Um, yeah, so that's mm. how I kind of got into it, really. Mm. Um, you know, I don't I have done a lot of indoor exhibitions I've curated, but the outdoor ones is where my my love is. Mm. And but I am very much about the art and, and about making sure the artists are looked after because sometimes when you work for events that are trying to raise money for a charity, the actual corporate side of it tends to take over and the artists are always like, oh, this will be good for your show reel, which is, you know, artists have to live mm-hmm. <laughs> and earn money. It's mm-hmm. not just about – because I think in general, artists are always, always used to raise funds um, and it's really unfortunate because – the matter of the work sales are not, they still put the time in. Yeah. So I'm very, very much about making sure they're taken care of, um, first and foremost, before, you know, my ego gets involved in it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you have an ego. Yeah, I don't. Well, we all do, but, you know, it's not about me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And how, I mean, so you're obviously kind of looking after them in the financial sense. Yeah, making sure they're getting the paid what they should. I mean, they're never paid what they should be paid, never, um, because you can't, and even myself, I know you can't get paid for the hours that you put in. It's just impossible. Mm. So just make sure that they've got enough, they've got, you know, getting fed and, you know, mm. that sort of thing. And Not, then how else, how, how else do you see that, you, um, that you're supporting the artists and sort of empowering them and in what way? Are you helping with that? Encur- I mean, you've got to do a lot of encouragement. And I think I think being a practising artist myself, it makes a difference because you can understand where their head's at and what part of the process they're in. And you always have parts of the process where you think this is just rubbish, you know, and you've got to be able to push through that. And I can see that with other people where they're at in their process. Mm. And also, you know, there's a whole lot of other logistics making sure that it's the right scale if they can't see it or or what they've presented in their proposal is what they're actually making. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. we can all go off the rails a bit. Yeah. Um, and just supporting them in that way, really. Mm. Encouragement. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And what do you find challenging about that kind of work? 
What's the challenging part? Working with artists is always challenging. Yeah, it's always <laughs> challenging because you know that the um the funniest thing is, and I do it myself, is when a lot of the work that we do, you have to fill out a lot of forms and do health and safety. There's a lot of logistics involved, and like they might read the first paragraph and then not read the rest of it. So you got to send it again and again and again mm. and again and again and again and again until they sign it, yeah. And then they come on site and they still haven't done what they're supposed to have done. So that's the challenging, challenging part. The admin. The admin, yeah, because artists don't want to read, they don't want to read big contracts. You know, they're not going to read it. They're just not going to. Mm. So there's no point in developing, which I have seen with some projects, lawyers develop contracts which are seven pages long. There's no artist going to read that. No, no <laughs> They're just way. not. Yeah. Too <laughs> yeah. busy for that. Yeah. 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 It would be tricky. But, you know, I love the idea of it's quite sort of multidimensional, that kind of work, isn't it? Yeah, Lots it is. of different aspects yeah. to it. Yeah. It uses different parts of your brain. I mean, you spend a lot of time in spreadsheets, um, which is not my strong point, to be perfectly honest. And I think anyone that works with me would, would say that. I'm a people person. Mm. So I'm really good in the field. Mm. Um, and I'll sort of, yeah, I can do the spreadsheet stuff, but it's not where my... It's not where my passion is. No. Yeah. And then do you get a real buzz when the show's complete and it's all together? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm yeah. I'm happy for the artists. I'm mm. I'm thrilled for them that they saw the process through. And it looks amazing. Mm. Yeah. So and you have a vision of how something's gonna work and then when it all comes together it's it's like building a house, you know, it's like, wow, that's cool. Mm. And there's so many stages leading yeah. up to the final result. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. And I know that you see art as an essential part of a healthy community. Mm. How do you contribute to that and, and what makes you feel that? Um, how do I contribute to that? Well, I think I contribute it by encouraging other people to, to, you know, make their own stuff, be a maker, make anything, you know, just get out there mm. and do it. And I think also... Art can be used to to send a message. It can be it can be a messaging. It can be a way to bring people together on a pro on, on a project or an idea. Um, I think it's an important part of the of of life. Whatever you're creating, whether it's music or writing or you know, it's a real shame. I think we talk about art and we think that everyone's on the same on the same board, but they're not, actually. And you can see that with the education system, how it's just been filtered down, filtered down, filtered down, filtered down, because it's not important, because mm. it doesn't um, attach itself to IT, mm. or, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a definite university level, it's become that way mm. as well, that the art, um, art schools are becoming much more, um, they want to get a job. And I'm thinking, well, why would you go to art school if you want to get a job? Mm. That's to me is just strange. Um, so mm. I like to encourage people to actually think of it as as a way of life. Yeah, mm. and it's good on so many levels, like as a therapy. You know, really good for yes. helping. Yeah, helping your people. mental health as yeah. well as you know emotional. It's proven. Yeah, mm. it's proven that it does help people, and um, that's the other way that I think could be opened up a little bit more yeah 
lot of talk around it, but nothing much ever happens. Mm. Yeah. Hopefully in the future. Yeah, but a lot of things will have to change mm. within the education system for that to happen. I mean, I think I read recently they're going to try and take Shakespeare out of school curriculum because it's got no value. Why? It's mm. <laughs> crazy. Know, yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, seeing the New Zealand curriculum, particularly in primary schools, which is my area, yes. you know, it worries me that the visual arts can slip by and, and that's okay. Yeah, it slipped by, but then they always call upon the artist if they want to raise money for something. So, mm. you know, it's a kind of a weird mm, uh, weird true. balance to me. Yeah. Yeah, what do you want? You know, you want us to be there or you don't want us to be there? Yeah. yeah. Lots of schools do art shows, don't they? But Yeah, don't start me on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been a bugbear at school art shows for me. In what way? Uh, well, of course, you know, when, you, when I had a gallery, um, it was – when they first started, that's when they first started doing it. And I used to get them, people coming in saying, oh, can we can we get some artwork to put in our art show? And I go, well, you're in competition with me. Why, why mm. would I do that? Mm. You know, it's crazy. Mm. They'd it's come great. to the gallery to ask for Yeah, work. yeah, yeah. That's unusual. And it's just like, well, are you going to give me a free, you know, accountant? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, yeah, I find it. I, I think there could be better ways for school to raise money. And you're also setting up a situation where artists can only sell their work in those environments. Because um, I'm a big believer in, in galleries, actually. I think they do a, a, they're really important. And they do a great job, most of them. Mm. And um, and artists need them. They need good, good gallery mm. directors. Mm. And if the galleries are in competition with schools... That's true. It's a bit tricky, yeah. And what advice would you have, you know, for somebody who would like to be associated with a gallery or, you know, or exhibiting in a gallery? So hard. It's a hard one to get into that. Man, it's so, it's so hard now because there aren't any um, emerging galleries really or galleries for emerging artists. There's a couple, but not that many. It's, it's really, really hard. Mm. You know, I think there's um, – I think there's a case that if you want to put on a show, you know, get get someone you know that can curate the show for you, hire the space, put it on, get your work out there, mm. you know, and that's what it's about. It's about believing that you just get your work out there. If, if you're worried about selling your work, uh, you're already gone because it's actually just being in the arena and you're putting your work out there whether it sells or not because um, if you're worried about, selling then you you tend to get caught in that commercial side of it mm. and making work for the market or to match people's cushions and um that's sad yeah <laughs> that's just my personal yeah, point of view I agree. you know um and so it's getting out there and sharing your work more than yeah, getting out there to sell yeah it. like it doesn't matter if your work doesn't sell it, it's You've still in that. You're still in the arena. Mm. Like you're still practicing. Mm. You're still making stuff, and it's it's not always about selling your work. Yeah, mm, that's really. And good. that's not that's kind know. of someone that you know. I'm not wealthy at all. I think most people know that. Um, so it's it's not just about selling your work. It's actually about being true to yourself. Yeah, uh, and Which having respect. Hard. Yeah, and it, having respect for what you're doing mm. and other artists too. Yeah, it's like artists that undersell their work and if they're underselling their work then that becomes the market price so it's 
yeah, it's all those really strange commercial things mm. come into it as well as your ethics. So it's tricky. Mm, it's tricky, and it's a big, um, it's a big area. Yeah, it's a really big area. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we haven't got time to talk about that. No, another. We program. could do another podcast yes. on on yeah. galleries and yeah. yeah, showing your work in a gallery. We should do that. Be good. Cool. I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll do it. We will do it. Um, and I guess you know it'd be interesting to know what you're planning for your future. I know that you're focusing a lot on your own practice now, which is yeah. good. Yeah. Um, is there more curating in the in the future? Um. No, um, I, I mean I love explore. I love I love explore doing that work because I love the people. Um, I don't find curating as challenging as as I I used to. Um, Have you solved that problem? Yeah, I kind of solved that problem. <laughs> and for me, again, it's like what I said. It's a it's an industry that I feel like it's my shadow career. And if I and a, a curating big shows is, is incredibly tiring. And you're putting your energy into something that I'm not getting the return. I'm not talking about financial, I'm talking about emotional and, and happiness. So yeah. um, I, I feel at this stage that I want to just focus on my own work and get it out there. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. And see what, because I think, you know, who cares? You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like you know where your practice is heading or are you just looking forward to kind of I'm just looking forward to experimenting. I mean, my next thing is the show that I'm doing with Emma. So my focus after this, after the Mirawai thing will be on that. Yeah. Um, and getting my website up and running. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm sure you're going to make amazing work. Thank you, Mandy. And a few other little questions for Uh-oh. you. Um, so we've kind of talked a little bit about um, what advice you'd have for creatives, um, particularly before they, you know, if they wanted to show in galleries. But um, what would you say to someone starting out on their creative journey? Starting out, just do the work. That's what I say to everyone. Just do the work. Put the pencil on the paper. Um, just start. That's all you need to do. Just like sit down and do it because it's never going to happen if you don't sit down and do it. And and uh, my motto is, has been for a long time now, just do the work. I don't want to hear about your thesis on it. Um, there's far too many thesis written around artworks. Mm. Um, just actually do it and then mm. take the next step and the yeah. next step and the next step. And the more you do it, the more – Ideas come. Yeah, the more ideas come, yeah. But if you don't start, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And why ropes, thread and textiles? Oh, I think that just goes back to my childhood. Yeah. That was around me. Um, and that's what I find easiest to work with them because I've had kind of a transient um, life in the last sort of t- 10 years. It's, they're easy things to move around <gasps> from one place to the other. Nope, that's my dog. I might just um, sort my dog out and I'll be back in a second. Okay, so the dog's <laughs> sorted. Um, just last question really, Anna. Um, what lights your fire? What lights my fire? Come on, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what lights my fire? Oh, really like visually I love like movies. Movies like my fire. Music. 
music too and really just beautiful writing. You know, beautiful writing really lights my fire. When I read something that's just captures something that is like on another level, you know, and, and your imagination gets sparked by and you think, how did they how did they think that up? You know, how did they write that? Just what I'm feeling. You know, and I think that's kind of so exciting. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I didn't expect you to say writing. <laughs> really? No. That's very really? cool. And um and what do you love about what you, what you do? Oh, the freedom of it. Yeah, I think the freedom of being able to to do what what you really your heart desires. You know, that you're you're driven to it and acknowledging that that that's that's it. That's what you got. That's what that's what came into this world with you. And um and trusting that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And it is trust. You have to trust that that's right for you. Um, and with that, just the most amazing people that you meet, you know, and I think it's it's all about – I think artist life's really lonely. And I think you have to accept that that's part of it, that it is, you are going to be lonely. Um, but at the same time, you're actually going to meet some really amazing people along the way that are going to just lift you up and encourage you. And I think that's what I've learnt the most is that you surround yourself by a really supportive group of people and you light each other's fires really, you know, mm. and you can just talk. And I think when you have, you know, we call that red tribe, it's quite overused now, but when you are around creative people, you're talking the same language and it just feels so natural. Mm. You know, and you think, oh, yeah, okay, I fit in. Because we all want to fit in, mm. you know. And I think that to me has been the greatest um, source of pleasure, actually, in, in my later life that I've led, you know, the last 10 years or so is working with people that just lift you up. Yeah. And say, yeah, you can do it. Go on. It's crazy. Go and do it. You mm, know? And inspire yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Like people like – and also like being out here, um, I never thought I'd live at Meruai full-time. Um, I always thought I'd be in town because that's where the buzz was and, you know, but I love living out here. I love being around this community. Uh, I think lots of people have, have said that on here too, eh? Because mm. it is – it is actually true. It's a real creative community and we all look out for each other. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, if you've got a problem or something, there's always like Mandy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's yeah. just like, and you and being around creative people, we, we support each other. Yeah. And totally. you need that. You need that support. You Absolutely. can't do it without it. Mm. You, go, you go loopy. Yeah, yeah, you do need that. And, yeah, some people who really understand you and yeah. get what you're going through, I guess. And do you find Murawai inspiring as a place, like a lot of our guests on the podcast have? So um, well, I'm not a nature. Like, I, I was really glad that you didn't ask me the bird question <laughs> um, because I have this thing about, you know, it's and it's been around for a while and most people know this about me is like, you know, you put a bird on it and then it'll sell, you know, and that's why I was like, please don't ask me the bird question. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not inspired in that in, in that way by the by sort of like the fauna, and but I love the ocean mm. um, and I love the fact that when you, you know, when you swim in the ocean, you enter another world and that's what I love about it, you know, mm. it's 
quiet. That's not your space. Um, and so I can't imagine not living by the sea again. Mm. So, yeah, I get a lot from that. Yeah. Well, sometimes it doesn't sort of directly influence your work, but it's kind of feeding you in some other yeah, way. Yeah, well, kind of like when you're in your head so much mm. like we are, you know, um, just going for a walk along the beach and your whole brain seems to sort of open up. Yeah. And I just think that's a natural thing that you get when you live in a rural um, community with lots of big spaces. Mm. Um, that it actually helps keep you mentally well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. for sure. Oh, well, Anna, this has been a total pleasure. You um, have always been someone who I found inspiring. Oh, thank you, Mandy. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just feel like you've got so many talents and there's, you know, the world's your oyster. There's so much you could still be doing and I know that you'll do it. And, uh, you know, you are you are good to artists and, and to people in general, you you're a really good listener and um, a sort of good person to speak with about all things art, really. Thank so, you, um, yeah, you give a lot to people and um, it's been really beautiful talking to you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for the opportunity because, you know, you don't get to talk about yourself very often because mm. it's all about me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, Anna. It's been Thanks, great. Mandy. Thank Cheers. You.